Hi, and welcome to PowerNap. My name is John Walden, and I run the Walden Agency. On the pod, we'll be exploring a range of topics relevant to freelancers, agencies, and entrepreneurs in the tech and creative spaces. My guest today is Spencer Ingram. Spencer is one of the people I reach out to when I want to take ideas over the edge. He's one of the truly smart and thoughtful people in my life. And a, a little background on Spencer, in 2012 in Virginia, he started a college-to-career accelerator uh, that continues to operate to this day. He uh, also has been helping, or at the, in that same time frame, helped social impact entrepreneurs around the world through funding and mentorship in a model similar to the XPRIZE before joining a boutique agency helping companies navigate pivotal growth moments. In 2019, Spencer relocated to Grand Junction to return to working on his own projects, which is where I met him, or when I met him, really. And he runs a studio uh, called Best Monday Ever, uh, which is uh, focused on starting micro companies that help people win the future of work. Spencer, welcome to Power Now. Thanks for having hey. me, John. I want to wake up to that introduction every day. That's that's real motivating. <laughs> so um, before we dive in, catch me up um, on your, you know, what what's what's happening. Uh, what's, uh, you know, what's the current project? How are you doing? Yeah. So I've got a, a couple right now on the table, um, in various stages of both kind of customer development or very early paying customers. Um, and they, they all focus largely around a rural thesis, um, which I, I grew up rural. My parents and family mostly still live rural. We're out here in rural Western Colorado. You know, these are the communities that I really believe in. Um, and they've, kind of been overlooked or, you know, left behind in a lot of ways. So I'm thrilled to be working on those sorts of niche challenges. Um, one of those is a network for job seekers in rural Western Colorado. Um, you know, we kind of lack some of the social connectivity around our small communities to be able to support people who are moving into uh, more digital economy skills or remote work. Um, the, the reality is in rural that there simply isn't going to be enough the supply of jobs for the, the talent in these communities. Um, so we need to be able to have strategies to go remote. Um, there's a full stack of resources that help make that possible here. And I'm kind of focused on just one lane in that, that problem. Um, we have another great cool project called Homecoming Hero. Uh, that one is focused on helping economic development offices recruit what's called boomerang talent. And these are people who have grown up or gone to school in a rural community and then moved away because of you know, jobs and other interests in their life. And now they're you know, mostly millennials, they're family, they're starting families and they can come back and buy a house for half the price, <laughs> um, right. you know, be near their, their parents um, and kind of you know, start their families here, bring their remote jobs, bring their talents. So it's really hard to identify and bring those people. So we're trying, trying to solve that problem too. Interesting. That's a, that's a fascinating problem. I, I mean, I can relate. Obviously, I'm here in rural Western Colorado with you. And um, the, I, I would say probably in the, you know, for, for me personally, the biggest threshold or barrier, I should say, is um, that piece of being connected uh, in a national or, you know, or larger sense, uh, being able to maintain those networks. I, I actually belong to a, 
a community that's, uh, you know, for me, is it relatively expensive, but I think ultimately worth the monthly expenditure because it gives me access to peers and business in the agency space that, uh, you know, stretches across the United States and Canada that I would have to get on a plane to go find. And that's the big piece we're looking at. So I, uh, it, it's funny, let me ask you, um, from that rural lens, aside from the network issue, I mean, I think, you know, there's a mindset piece here, right? Both in the, you know, I'm sitting in, you know, major city, Austin, Denver, and then the tier above that, San Francisco, New York. And I've got somebody, you know, coming on the line from Western Colorado, but there's also a buy, you know, like a mindset here. Uh, can you speak to, the, to that kind of that, those mindset barriers at all? Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I lived in Austin for six years, so mm -hmm. there's a definitely a vibe. Um, there's an identity and uh, that lends to some uh, true or other or not uh, credibility in certain industry sectors and communities, you know, that, that you're kind of hip and with it. Um, you're in the cultural uh, zeitgeist. Um, so there's certainly biases that come from our geographic kind of uh, modes of, of work. Um, that said, I think we have a great opportunity to, to create brand in our rural communities to, or to even redefine it um, mm -hmm. uh, properly and thoughtfully. Um, and if anything, the last year has been an accelerant for these things. Um, you know, there's certainly going to, there are certainly challenges and there's friction in, in rural, you know, if you look at a lot of especially agency style businesses, you're going to do, do remote work. You're going to have clients all around the country, but we did that in Austin too. You know, we had right. really great big clients in Austin because you can, but we also had them in New York and, and other, and both coasts. So, you know, I don't know that it's, it's all that, when it comes down to it, it's all that different, um, but there's an opportunity to actually shape the rural brand um, uniquely to, to your own community, what you want to stand for, you know, what, what you want to be a hub for. You know, um, you can imagine a rural community just being like the the epicenter for self-driving cars because mm -hmm. they can get out of their own way and do it, you know? Right. Um, so I think there's actually, I, I guess I maybe I'm just maybe really optimistic. Um, uh -huh. But all that said, you know, I think it takes having a, an abundance mindset. And one of, I'd say one of the hardest things about the rural lens is a typical scarcity mindset. Just because things have been declining for a long time um, on many different uh, kind of vectors, um, especially kind of funding for various types of programs, um, talent, um, jobs, um, diversity of jobs. So, you know, I think that that shift is really important. We've got to have that rising tide lifts all boats kind of perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I guess that, I mean, come, you know, two things occur to me. One is we can, we have an opportunity, and by we, I don't mean just Western Colorado, but all rural communities, all places where people are boomeranging back to, all uh, places where people are saying, you know, I'm done with the big city. I, I want to have uh, my life and not just be about work. We have an opportunity. All of those, all of those constituencies have the opportunity to, to brand this movement as the new zeitgeist. Yeah. Right. Well, and, I can tell you why I moved here, you know, or what put it on the map for me was yeah. a, a mountain bike race. So a, a part of a national series of races. And if you look at the other cities, you know, it's Lake Tahoe and Bentonville 
you know, and there's some names that you would recognize that are branding themselves well. And then there was Grand Junction and we were like, where's that? (laughs) (laughs) But then we came and we were so just blown away by all the, the, all the assets here from the community to the natural world. And, you know, we we ended up staying because there was a signal that the community here is thinking about the future and trying to to build that future that's unique to this valley. Um, And not just because everyone else is doing something too. So, you know, it's funny how something like a mountain bike race can put a community on the map. Sure. Sure. And I I know that locally we've done a lot to um, leverage the, the uh, outdoors, the outdoor rec um, side of things uh, to that, you know, to great benefit. Um, so, you know, we've been talking about, in, in addition to this conversation, you and I have been talking about the, the particular challenges of building, you know, a, a work-life path. From the perspective of, of a business, um, what's possible, you know, from your perspective that wasn't you know, really on the map five years ago. I mean, we talk about last year as an accelerant, but it was, things were trending, right? Yeah, I think that's exactly it. We talk a lot about like pandemic shifts. Um, I really think they're more like accelerations of existing trends um, that are that are helping us question all kinds of modes of, of business and, and work and life. And, you know, I, I think that the the thing that ties it all together for me is is the word agility. So, you know, being agile, both as a business and both as the, uh, the employee, the, the talent, um, navigating your own career, that's probably the, the, the number one skill set coming, uh, going forward. Um, you know, the, the ability to uh, identify and then access learning, just continuous learning uh, mm-hmm. as, a, as an employee um, and, and then, and know how to navigate what's, what's next. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's really hard to predict. I'm not saying do that, but just have the ability to, to move and pivot and, and, and be agile is really going to be, in my opinion, driving a lot of the way we are behaving and making decisions. Um, and I think the winners are going to look agile. They're going to look like people who are, uh, investing in, um, that kind of, I don't want to say optionality, but investing in their portfolio of strengths to let them meet whatever future comes their way. Mm. You said optionality, and you also talked about kind of being in a state of what I would characterize as, you know, kind of a continuous learning, right? Mm-hmm. So how, what's the validity of the term career anymore? Like, how do we think about if we're agile, career is very much like an old model, you know? Yeah. With you know, I just wouldn't even think about like the word. Career. I wouldn't even overthink the word career. Like this, what is career? Well, it's, it's a lot of things now. I mean, you're going to have a portfolio of career opportunities. I, I would say there's very few people in my personal peer professional network that don't have multiple streams of income. You know, at least two because they have a full time W two job, and then they have their side hustle. You know, or their right. consulting of some kind and that's giving them this agility to have both continued learning, um, a continual build of, of around their value proposition, that they're not reliant on any one thing, that they are kind of building a little bit of this sort of company of one or career of one yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. 
you know, it doesn't really, I'll put it this way. No one really cares where you learned, you know, as long as you can deliver the value. And so we're entering a world where you have this incredible access to the tools for learning and making and sharing. And if you're not taking advantage of that, you're not thinking about what makes you an, an agile and productive and marketable uh, employee, then you're, you're going to lose your competitiveness because yeah. the reality is that you, they're, they're, we're likely going to have more and more of a portfolio looking career um, that may wander and loop and, and, and have some <laughs> incongruities uh, than having the, the long track uh, in any one given you know, employer. Yep. Yep. I, I hear you. And I, I I'm not going to, I think I was an early adopter in this. I'm not going to share my, uh, my, my career path. <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> you know, I think part of this is, you know, we're looking at something that wasn't possible technically. That's right. Right. right? Number one, you couldn't work from a rural, you people lived in cities because you couldn't find work unless you were going to, you know, uh, work the oil field or, you know, punch cows, you know, you, you were going to be, there was nothing happening and uh, technology's made, uh, had a big impact on that. And that's really taken hold last five years. We've also had new ways of thinking about workspace that are obviously very strong right now um, because you can work from anywhere. That again, five years ago, there wasn't the bandwidth uh, in rural areas. Um, and quite literally the broadband. <laughs> right, exactly. Yes, that broadband. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think to me, that piece of, of the puzzle that's the, the hurdle that people have to overcome is that mindset piece of saying, I ha- there, there's a, you know, you mentioned the, the, the available stack, finding the stack, finding the right stack for you uh, that's going to help you leverage and, and build on the skills and talents that you have. Yeah. You know, it's, exactly kind of it. like, it's kind of like the, you know, uh, what's that word? The democratization of, of media <laughs> is, is a funny word because you have, you know, like, uh, yes, you can use technology. I can pick up, you know, on my laptop here, I can make a video. We in effect are making a, a radio show right now. Um, you know, in terms of older ways of looking at things where the ability to publish is, it's so easy. The threshold is so low, but if you don't have the skills to tell a story, you know, you're yeah, yeah, right. So it's, I I think that's, that's it. You you know, you you talked about the kind of, um, I call it navigation, right? The, the, the ability to know what you need to, to know, or Mm -hmm. to, to, have this exploratory approach to it. Um, you know, I, I'm seeing this right now in the Western Slope. Um, I have a project called West Slope Works around career uh, transition guidance. And guidance is really the key. You know, uh, I have a lot of people with two degrees, you know, living here, they've capped out on their earning potential locally. And they, they need a, a, a little bit of a skills boost. Um, they need to pick up some new skills. Well, they don't need to go get another degree, you know, or, or join a two-year program, and, <laughs> right? Right. You know, or even some, even a boot camp, a short reform program. You know, they they just need a little bit to kind of put them in the direction of gaining some skills that are highly marketable, that uh, transfer them from where they are to something that is remote and a twenty thousand dollar you know boost in salary. 
That, that's right. that's so within reach that it's it's crazy to think that there's so little guidance and navigation for that. So if you teach people or give them the support to do it, I think we can really see success. And you know, there's a lot of ways that this breaks out in on in rural communities and, and here especially in terms of like who we're exactly talking about. You know, I'm I'm talking about the middle, you know, and I call it the missing middle, where there aren't really a lot of great resources and support for these middle earners, middle skill. You know, and I'm talking about people oftentimes with college degrees or multiple degrees. And, and again, they're, they're capping out on their salary um, at a rate far lower than their urban counterparts. Mm-hmm. And there's just very little resources addressing that middle. There's on other ends of that spectrum, you have, you know, the kind of uh, wage, minimum wage earners that have uh, other support sort of mechanisms that are usually kind of federally funded under the American Job Centers. Uh, programs like that, you know, but you have this, this breakout in rural communities of all kinds of different talents and pathways. And the reality is that agility is what's going to really make the most of their future opportunities. And I, I just happen to be focused on the middle because that's who I can best serve. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, I think, I mean, as, as kind of, I, I feel in a lot of ways identify with that middle, you know, I've been, in this in the space of really kind of trying to carve my own path unfortunately i have the um the kind of i'm relentlessness about it that i'm not going to stop <laughs> um but also i i had to you know the thing and we were talking about this before we started uh the recording i i had to overcome a lot of of um ideas about the way my life was supposed to have been and uh, we were talking about that in terms of sunk costs, right? A sunk cost bias, a bias towards or an overinvestment in what, uh, you know, and, and expectations for the way things should work out and they don't. It's hard to let go of those, right? <laughs> you've made, you've said, I think it's going to go this way and everything is going that way. It's like, if you can't let go of that, you can't turn. Yeah, I see this a lot. Um, and and. I do exercises with people where uh, I talk about aiming at something other than the problem. So mm-hmm. when we talk talking about career transition and career change, it's we we start to think that there are rules to it and there's like a linear way of approaching it. And so we kind of get in our own way. And if we can get out of our out of our heads and think, you know, I, I help do these exercises that just surface things that people discount in their lives mm-hmm. and when they, when they sort this out and they get kind of excited about what's, what's surfacing, you see that there's these opportunities that are entirely different from where they're standing. But if they started from where they're standing, they think about, well, I've already invested in this and they, they want to overinvest and just stay, stay on the path. You know, don't take a risk. And unfortunately, like in our lives, the people in our lives tend to reinforce those biases. Um, there's a really good work from um, Herminia Ibera on this, um, a researcher uh, on career change. But nonetheless, like the reality is like that, that shift from, you know, I have someone in higher ed right now who is looking at the energy industry, you know, that shift's not as far away as it might feel. And there's a lot of things that this person can bring to that, that, that new industry. So I, I do think some cost gets in our way. Um, and it's going to be something that uh, lends to the, the word of the day, agility. You know, right. if you can know that this is happening and you can look and say um, that the, the things that you can access, um, if given kind of permission 
and some guidance to them, you know, can totally change your life. And, and the reality is, and I always end on this with people is like, you can't pick the right path for a future that hasn't been invented yet. So don't over, don't overanalyze this. Right. You can always change again. Right, right, right. That's funny. That's funny. Because, yeah. Who, who, who could have anticipated we'd be where we are? Yeah, right? exactly. You know, in, 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 uh, you know, 2021. Um, and, and, and that, you know, like we've been talking about agility, uh, investment in sunk costs and, uh, and mostly we've been focused on the individual and, you know, like, I think that, you know, if I look at it, uh, clearly the, one of the impacts of the events of the last 12 months, especially the pandemic was really forcing companies to change their minds more so than, you know, it's probably easier for, for the employee to go home than it was for the company to let them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, yeah, you know, I don't know how that's going to play out. I think there's a lot of armchair um, commentators on these topics. Oh yeah. And my, my feeling is um, I I'll just tell you what I get excited about. I don't want to predict the future, but I do think, Oh, come on. That's my next question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, okay. What gets excited. I get excited about is there's a whole group of professionals like myself who we, we don't really want to be on your, your W2 payroll. And there are companies who are now starting to hire in that way. Um, these and these are well-paid jobs. This isn't like your gig economy, you know, independent contractors. Right. This is, you know, uh, this is six figures, and they're and they're hiring in a way that says we know that some of the best talent wants to work this way. You know, even if it's the maybe the one job you do for you know months on on end or, or a year or more you know, because we pay for all of our own other benefits. We don't need all that stuff. And we want to have more flexibility around how we work and where we work. Um, and we're really kind of project and mission oriented. Um, so I think that's an interesting shift. Um, it may be a little bit niche at the moment. Um, another really interesting one to me is um, the demand on companies for training. You know, the higher, edu- higher education institutions are just in turmoil, <laughs> Yeah. For a lot of reasons, um, and so how companies are are investing in their own learning pathways for their employees for their talent, I think that's an interesting trend. Hmm. Um, also, very difficult for for companies just depending on their scale and size and resources. Um, you know, typically they've moved away from uh, entry level training because it's a very high cost, and then entry level just moves on and leverages it for a higher paying job elsewhere. So mm-hmm. I think those are going to be some interesting new shifts about how they train, what they how they um, what they offer in terms of pathways for recruitment. Um, you're seeing yeah, a lot of internal uh, training uh, really kind of populate the um, the corporate learning, As, and I mean that at kind of every level. You've got Learn In, um, which is from the founder of Degreed. You've got Guild, which just absolutely exploded uh, over in Denver over the last couple of years, um, that are doing this sort of uh, upskilling. For their employees, yeah. Uh, so, so I think those those are some trends that I'm really excited about in terms of what's maybe shifting or what companies are investing in, what's changing about their behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as a as a 
myself an agency of one, one of the things that I see as the huge opportunity is, um, you know, and, and I know people who are growing companies right now. So this isn't like there's one, again, going back to what we were talking about for the employee, there's not just one path. There's not just one path for a company. This is just my path. But one of the things I see is if I look at this from the perspective of uh, the way in which, um, you know, uh, companies are hiring um, advertising and marketing help, they're going to a project basis. There's yes. much less of the long-term AOR relationship in place. There's, you know, it's very, very, um, uh, you know, kind of bursts of activity. And if you're carrying a, um, you know, a, a, a set of employees along with you, you know, if you've got a, 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 a house of 10, you, you have the pressure of keeping them active all the time. And oh, then, yeah. and then they're sitting there doing nothing when they could be doing something for, you know, on their own, you know, it's kind of like, we're looking at how that relationship shifts both as a benefit to the employee in terms of they can navigate the path they want to, you know, they have more freedom, you know, there's some pressure that goes with that, but there's also the way in which from a, from a business person, a company owner perspective, uh, being able to tap a higher level pool of talent and say, I have this project is really great. I need your level of talent. Come help me out and totally. not, and, and know that when the project's done, you know, like everything flattens out in terms of costs, that's, that's very attractive. Yeah. And, and as a, as a, on the talent side, you have to be ready to operate in that new, that new mode. <laughs> Right, right. And compete, yeah. compete in that. And I, I, the company of one thing super compelling to me. It's how I operate right now. You know, um, going back to your introduction, I'm, I'm, my thesis is around building what I call micro enterprises. So they can they can do tens of thousands to you know well over a hundred thousand dollars a year with like very little operating you know back end. You know, right. um, contractors maybe one full time person. Or so, um, and then maybe they go from there. You know, I'm not, I don't need to think big in that way. I need to think now. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, you build a portfolio of those kinds of assets and it's a different way of looking at business. Yeah, yeah, totally. And actually this, I mean, we don't have a lot of time left. So this is a, for a future conversation, you and me, but um, uh, I've been thinking about uh, how you build a, uh, a using the, uh, LLC model um, as a, a container mm -hmm. for project-based work where the container is pre-populated with the administrative, the legal, you know, the, the kind of stuff that is costly to invent each time when, you know, in the old way of thinking about a company, but it's kind of like this, this package and it's like you drop the project into this company structure as a way of hiring, holding, being paid, moving yeah. money, like being protected, right? Like, you know, all of the things that a corporation gives you, but you're gonna basically open the company and then at the end of the project, and this is obviously for bigger projects, but at the end of the project, you're gonna close the company. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, <laughs> I've been thinking about this, like, how do you build those, like, in terms of like your, so we talk about a technical stack, how do you, this is the kind of thing I'm, uh, this kind of firing me up lately, how do you build the administrative and legal stack that you can pull off the shelf, right, start up, you know, and then shut it off without having to invest all that time and energy each time in building those pieces, they're going to basically look the same. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I think that's the, a, a question that a lot of boutique uh, agencies ask themselves, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know, in, in this ever changing world of client work. So yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a next conversation for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, man, it's been awesome. Thank you so much. I think we're about at a half hour. Um, and that's, that was our commitment. So I really appreciate it. I could talk to you for hours, man. So, uh, get over here. Let's go for a walk. <laughs> yeah, for real. Well, you know, uh, you know, I just got my vaccine first dose yesterday. Um, so, you know, we're looking at as things are certainly really kind of reopen and maybe getting my office out of this house <laughs> Cool. and getting some, getting some space over with you. Cool. Come and get some desk space, man. Cool. Love to yeah. see you. Thank you yeah. so much. See you brother. See ya. Take, e- take it easy. And thanks for joining me on the show. Absolutely. Later.